Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello. Thank you for going to the Les Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why can't like you Vive, say tires? Vive Clicquot. It's the same Just thing. Just say tires. Uh, where, where do we pick up from? Hi, uh, everyone. You're listening to the Center and the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. The Sinner and the Saint. A shadowy flight into the dangerous world of men who do not exist. Luke Anderson, a young loner on a crusade to champion the cause of the innocent, the helpless, the powerless, and men 25 to 54 with a median household income of $78,000 per year. Now, there is one exception to that. No one cares. Shh, watch your mouth. Will Darkens, a disappointing Oregon State fullback with a receding hairline, desperately trying to hold on to the past. Don't mind that I'm just kind of sitting there looking in his yeah, face. Yeah, exactly. The Sinner and the Saint Tailgate Show, powered by Frostbrood Coors Light. A brilliant, imaginative, unrestrained exercise or display. I'm pleased that you're pleased. Get believe it. I'm pleased. On 1080, The Fan. All right, welcome to Hour 2 of this fine radio broadcast. If you missed any part of Hour 1, we talked about Mario Cristobal, Mike Riley, NFL, and some idiot that microwaved his head to his concrete. He's a celebrity, is what he is. He's a moron. He's a voice uh, of a generation. If you missed any part of that, you can go to 1080thefan.com and uh, download the podcast. Just go to On Demand. And it's right there. It's right there, hour one. Don't do it now, because you're getting hour two right here. We've made uh, a decision to talk about the Portland Trailblazers. Stumbled into that one. <laughs> Stumble? We made a decision. We did. I'm just not excited about it. Well, this goes back to our poll question that we had up before the show. Again, it is on at Center and Saints 1080 and at 1080 the fan on Twitter. You can vote right now. It's when should the Trailblazers fire Terry Stotts? 27% of you say now, right now. 11% say after Rockets ass kicking. 8% say after Warriors ass kicking. And 54% by far and away say after the season. Right now, the Blazers are in sixth place in the West. Hey, they're a playoff team. <laughs> they're playing better defense than they've ever played. Yes. They're boring. Why are they so boring to watch? Their offense stinks. They have no ball movement. They just, they're, blah. they'll probably beat the Rockets tonight without Nurk, and then everybody will get excited again, and then they'll suck for eight games. What's wrong with this stupid team? I have to kind of think that the better defense has now kind of made them crappier well no it's it's I like even, they're it's like they're but, a b-minus version I just, of memphis well i just said they're well 
No, they're ahead of, where's Memphis? Memphis is, holy cow, the Memphis Grizzlies are 13th in the West. But you know what I'm saying, no, though, no, right? No, like but, their style of play. Yeah, fine. Here's my thing is I'm just surprised a team with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum and you throw in Shabazz Napier playing like a man possessed. Pat Connaughton's playing well. It all sounds like a team that should be fun and exciting, but just unlikable. I don't know what it is. You watch me, you just kind of go, ugh. Like, remember that run with Nurk last year and everybody's excited and everybody had Nurk fever? 20 games. And now you're like, he's kind of a baby. And he's just, meh. Can't score inside. Like, he's just, meh. Well, the thing that infuriates. whole team is, meh. The thing what? that is, infuriates me the meh. most is the fact that they'll give Nurk the ball and then he'll just roll into the paint and just throw up this weird hook. Like, it's not even, like, it's not controlled. There's something about his game now that was different from those past, those last 20 games. He's like, missing that fat 40 pounds that let him push people off the block. Well, not only that, they're using him in pick and roll more, and honestly, he's not very good in pick and roll. No, and they can't figure out the rotations, and you don't know who your other two starters are ever. Yeah. It's weird. But they're in sixth place. They're fine. Like, they're sitting, okay, right now, you've got the, the five teams ahead of them, uh, I mean, it's kind of a weird West right now. Rockets are the best team in basketball. They're playing them tonight, right? They're they're nineteen and four. Then you've got the Warriors at twenty one and six. They play them after that. Then you've got Spurs, Timberwolves, which finally making their surge that we expected. Timberwolves look good, man. Yeah, but for the last four years, the Nuggets look pretty good. But you're ahead of the Jazz, the Pelicans, the Thunder. Well, let's the also the Clippers are out of the playoff picture. The right now the Grizzlies are. I well, mean, well, let's also just remember that this is all before the All Star break, it, it, and it, even all before Christmas. Christmas is kind of that marker in the NBA where you have your first quarter and you go, okay, I kind of get a good feeling of what's going on here. Like if you would have judged the first ten games of the NBA season, you would have thought, holy crap, the Cavs suck. But the Cavs just ended like a 13 or 14 game 13 winning game. streak. 13 yeah, game 13 winning streak. game winning streak. So, yeah. I mean, again, we have to give this team time, but it does seem well, like no, they're no, floating but, towards mediocrity. Well, they no, you knew they'd be mediocre, but you thought they'd be fun to watch mediocre. I thought they'd be better than mediocre. Did you? You thought they'd, well. I kind of thought they'd compete for a four spot. Okay, and they're still in the running for that. I mean, they're yeah. right, well. But three yes. straight home losses doesn't doesn't make me think it's gonna I, keep going that I, way. I understand that, but if you said right now, okay, so the Blazers are thirteen and eleven, the Nuggets are fourteen and eleven, and the Timberwolves are fifteen and eleven. So I mean, you're you're right there. Now going the other direction, your teams with thirteen wins. So the Blazers haven't played as many games. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, but the Jazz are thirteen and thirteen, the Pelicans are thirteen and thirteen. Those are your playoff teams. I mean that's that's your your four five six seven eight. They're right in the thick of that. They are competing for a four spot right now, which is fine. But what the when I watch them, I feel like you're watching a team that is out of the play. Everybody keeps saying they're awful. They're not awful. They're, they're just, just blah. In, they're they are and they're inconsistent and they're just they're not. You thought you would add defense to this team and you'd be like, now we got some. Here's don't. A, here's an interesting thought on the uh, Bridgeport Beers text line 55305. So now we preface this with, you know, when should we fire Terry Stotts, right? Yeah, this text, that's and when This texter takes another angle. He says, why does Neil O'Shea get a pass here? He's the one that built this team with two small guards that don't play defense. One of them should have been traded last year for a taller defensive-oriented player. And that kind of goes along with all the hype of saying, hey, let's ship CJ off and get something better. Or maybe not better, yeah. just different, sorry. Yeah, and mix it up, but then you don't want to affect the team chemistry because he's become a leader on that team is what you kind of worry about. But the the, the big offseason rumor was we're going to get Carmelo Anthony. 
Where are the Thunder right now? Oh, oh yes. sitting in ninth. Yes. I, I I will just rub that in anyone's face anytime I have the possibility to do it. Just rub the mouth. I just in their I, face. I loved how many fan listeners texted in and were just like, What's so stupid about it? Getting one of the best players. How how could you not want that? This is exactly why you don't want that. <laughs> he plays zero defense and he's at a point in his career where he's just like, Look, where can I make the most money? I'm just trying to rake this stuff in so I can just live nice. Like, I don't, I don't care why, anymore. I don't think that's why he went to Oklahoma City. If you're going to live oh. nice anywhere, it's not Oklahoma. He thought, I think, I, he, I, I think he thought he had a chance to, to play for a championship there with well, Paul sure George. trying. No, God, that looks awful, too. So, but what do you do if you're the Blazers? 55305, Bridgeport Beers text line. I'm out of answers. I just, like, here's what's happened the last couple of years with the Mariners. They always miss the playoffs, but they've been fun to watch. At least they're making changes. And I know they just miss out on Otani or whatever, but usually I can get to eh, three quarters of the way through the season where you realize, man, eh, they're just not good enough, Yeah, but they've been fun to watch. The Blazers have been the same way. And at least you go, all right, well, listen, they're not going to win a championship against the Warriors, but you can have nights where they go out and scratch a claw and they're going to knock them off for a game. They're going to go out and they're going to compete and they're going to, you know, put up some crazy shots with their two guards. And it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. But even the even the Moda Center seems listless right now. It's yeah. just there's there's what's wrong and how do we fix it? Five five three zero five is the Bridgeport Beers text line. I'll let you throw in well, your your, I, your your choice. To me, here. I kind of almost look at CJ McCollum. I kind of agree with this texture in terms of trying to find value in CJ. When CJ's on the court and he is the primary ball hander where he's the guy who's going to be kind of creating the offense, pretty much nobody else gets involved. It's really hard to have a CJ McCollum led offense because he thinks he's Kobe Bryant at times. Mm -hmm. He takes it into his own hands and he tries to create offense when there's really nothing there. That's why Shabazz Napier has been such a huge part of this season. So far as the fact that you can bring in a guy who actually runs the offense and picks up where Damian Lillard left off. Now, I'm not taking da Damian Lillard out of that classification because he does that stuff too. Mm -hmm. I'm infuriated when he comes down court <laughs> like three steps past the uh, half court line and just jacks a shot up. Like sometimes it goes in and I'm pretty stoked, but then when it doesn't, I go, what the hell are you thinking? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I just, I, I, I point a little bit towards CJ. I point a little bit towards Nurk, but I also just point towards the general, the general thought that, I don't think there's enough talent on this team now to actually take them to that four spot level. The, the worst thing that happened is both guys are too good at making bad shots that they're willing to take those bad shots and have the green light to take them. Uh, I'm going to go to the text line again. This one, uh, it starts. Look at the Spurs and the Celtics records right now. You make a case uh, that Portland's roster is better than those two teams. You have no Kawhi Leonard. You, you lost Gordon Hayward in the first game. So those two teams are playing without stars. And the Celtics didn't miss a beat. I mean, the Spurs, you see Ginobili's shot. Speaking of Spurs and Lakers, do you see Ginobili's shot over the, the Celtics to win that game? Yeah, that was pretty dope. I mean, they just keep winning. And and is, is Manu Ginobili better than half the roster for the Blazers? I mean, at this point. Hey, he, he honestly might be. Well, no, but he's their sixth man. Well, sure, but because you get the most out of a guy like yeah. that, you know? I mean, that's, that's I guess, part of the point here is physically does he have the tools? Yeah, he's got the clutch gene like nobody's business, but Lillard's proven that he is too. Yeah. You put him in an opportunity to do that. I mean, you're certainly not a guy that you would add to a roster at this point. My, Manu? 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 Yeah. Manu? I could see Manu. I could see Manu getting traded to the uh, to, uh, to Cleveland by midseason. I found the solution right here. The text line. Oh, did you? Oh, I, you saw that one too, didn't you? Yeah. What is it? Definitely missing Alan Crabb. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
Alan Crabb <laughs> was the very thing holding this team together. He was a glue guy. That's why they paid him $87 million. Yes. You can see it. Yep. I mean, there's no way in hell Alan Crabb is like an A-minus version of Evan Turner <laughs> or anything. Dealing Alan Crabb is the death nail for Neil O'Shea. Yeah. God, you know, that's what he's going to do in his biography when he starts writing it. He's going to go, man, everything went wrong when I let go of Alan. His bi the title will be, why did I let go of Alan yeah. Crabb? Where did you go, Alan? A, li a life of Neil O'Shea. A life of screaming and being pissed at media uh, members. I got ri rid of Crabs and everything went downhill. The Neil Usually that's supposed to help. Yeah. You would think getting rid of Crabs would make things better. Yeah. But not the case. Not for some people. Not for Neil O'Shea. It's got to be a hard life. God. He had crabs. Now he doesn't have crabs. And now it's it's bad. McCollum struggles when Evan Turner brings the ball up. Not good together. So McCollum gets the ball too late in the shot clock and is struggling. Nothing easy. There's no easy shots in the NBA. So th th this is suggesting that uh, he needs to be a better off the ball player. Yeah, whatever. Look, when it comes down to it, just they're super average. They just, they kind of suck. You know what I mean? Like you watch and they'll have this lead of like eight for a little bit. And then you just can call it. You go third quarter. This is all going to crap. It's just going to happen. It happened in the, in the Pelicans game. They were behind at halftime. They got back up by eight or so. And then halfway through the third, you saw they started missing shots and you go, this is when it's all going to go to crap. And this is pretty much this team every single year. This is what they do. They, they live on that little average plateau scale and then they get to the playoffs and then they lose and that's it. And that's what you're going to have to ex accept for a while until LeBron James, Kevin Durant, uh, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus cousins. Uh, let's see, Russell Westbrook, uh, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons leave the league. I don't think we'll win a title. Well, what if we, we just get them all in free agency? Like all of them, yeah, all of them. At the same like time. blow the cap out. I'm gonna end. I'm gonna end with this. Uh, I have to make a correction on it. Uh, but Olshay's book title. Uh, they have New Jersey. I'm gonna switch it with Brooklyn because that's where he went. The day I gave Brooklyn crabs. That is great. Thank Except but the crabs has been helping Brooklyn. That's Brooklyn's what. That's, pretty good. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's why it's the book title. Yeah. The day I gave Brooklyn crabs. What a dirty man. Yeah. I think that's it. Okay. What should we do next? I don't know. You wanted to talk more about NFL, right? What? What about the Heisman? What? Aren't you pumped about the Heisman trophy ceremony? No, I think it's stupid. Well, how about you tell me why next? Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan. You play the song twice. Might have. Played the song twice. Sorry, I got distracted. Lee Corso is uh, bringing in a bunch of Rams. What? Lee Corso, he's leading a bunch of Rams into uh, the Army-Navy game. Why? Because I think that's what Navy is. They're like sheep or something. Or what are they? Are they Rams? I don't know. Or they're the midshipmen, but, yeah. they're, but their mascot is a ram. That doesn't make any sense. They don't have a ram helmet. No. They've got cool helmets. I like the uh, the ones that have like the horizon on them. Yeah. The white and navy below. Just, what? That yeah. makes no sense. When was the last time Lee Corso did anything that made sense? Yeah, it's fair. Yeah. They played yeah. that song twice. That yeah. was my point. Oh. Whatever.
Heisman Trophy. Are you excited about it? Does this does this get you excited? The Heisman Trophy. Well, sometimes it does. This I feel time like it's it the most arrogant award in sports. It's like they do they do the awards night for college football and they give out the Doak Walker and the Blitnikoff and all that garbly gook. And then they have to have their own special day for the Heisman Trophy. And here's yet another year where it's already decided and we know who's going to win it and it's going to be boring. Uh, Yeah, but I think it's a good book, good bookend of the season. I get that, but why isn't it part of the college football awards? Why can't you just be like, all right, and best picture is? Because it's the best player. It's yeah. it, it's a it's a society. You know what I mean? The Doak Walker is not a society. The Heisman Award. That's why is, you lump all those cruddy ones in with the same thing. Yeah, but the, the the Heisman has a different air to it. It's it's a society of players who all during their year of football, whether it be their senior year or year, you know, junior, whatever, it was their time that they defined the league. And I think to the me, league, or I'm sorry, the college football, yeah, the college football landscape to me, that's kind of what it, what it is for most players. Like Marcus Mariota, when he won the Heisman, he defined college football that year. I think that Baker Mayfield doesn't really define college football because he's the, I don't think Lamar Jackson did last year. They were talking. I kind of think Lamar Jackson did though. Last year, Louisville, last year was defined by Clemson, Alabama rematch and Deshaun Watson. But that was only at the end of the year. I'm talking about the whole scope, the the meat of the season. The Louisville football defined college football last year. That when people think back, when people hearken back to 2006 state, everybody's going to think of Louisville and Lamar Jackson. Well, yeah, because when you go back to seasons, you think about Heisman winners. Well, I think let's look at Heisman winners. I mean, this is where it was leading anyway. Oh, you want to go to Jason white, Sam Bradford. Hey, Jason white is a great insurance salesman. Damn right. He is. He actually insures Jeff Fisher's jet ski, gets jet ski store. Jet ski? Screw, screwed that up. God, it's hard. 55305, who's your favorite Heisman Trophy winner? The only thing I like about the Heisman Trophy presentation is when they pan across all of the former winners and Doug Flutie has to stand next to Vinny Testaverde and there's a 24-inch height difference between the two. Yeah. Mine is that uh, I don't know if they're going to invite Johnny Manziel. Well, they can't invite Reggie Bush. You have to I read think that's ridiculous. They Every time that. you read an article about the Heisman Trophy, they have to mention Reggie Bush got his taken away. That's so bull, dude. I, I hate that they did that. Okay, so again, you're having you're having a hard time convincing me why the Heisman Trophy matters. And well, again, why can't matter. they do it with all the other college football awards? We have an hour special just for this stupid thing, and you couldn't, you know, you couldn't give the Ray Guy Award away the same night. Well, you're in advertising. You know, it's about the money. It's I think you make more money. All you do is you make the other thing bigger. You do a four-hour show, and it's the Heisman Trophy is the cap. You can't get somebody to watch something for four hours. I know, but you get everybody to tune in at the end. You can get the sponsors to pay for it. What about Derrick Henry? That was a that was a kind of bleh Heisman. There's a lot of guys where you go through, and it's the best player on the best team. It's not the best player in college football. And that's the thing that you're saying. If you're trying to find a guy that defines college football, you can just be like, wow, Derrick Henry is great playing on the best team in college football. Mark Ingram's got one of those too but then you had other guys like Jameis winston i felt his year uh it wasn't his senior season his junior season or no i'm sorry it was his sophomore season he i think did define his freshman year, year. Jameis no. winston won as a freshman he no, was he a, didn't. i don't think he did did he back-to-back freshman one manzel then you've got the list in front of you look it up what? i thought it was his sophomore year no it was the back-to-back freshman his sophomore year because he's a red shirt and then he came out after his sophomore year 
Uh, and his backward stumble, bumble, fumble against Oregon was the last. The wind fumble? The wind. Cam Newton was a good one, though. Yeah, Cam Newton. Cam Newton pretty much was college football that year. I'll give you that one, but how much do you consider their NFL career when you look about a Heisman Trophy winner? I go, don't. That guy deserved it. I don't. I don't anymore. I used to, and then I just, I, I don't anymore because you have, I mean, we, we can go over that list, right? Matt Leiner, no. Troy Smith, no. Tim Tebow, no. I guess Sam Bradford, he stayed relevant, but he didn't transfer over in the NFL. Like, he wasn't as great as he was college. Mark Ingram, again, a guy pretty middle of the road. Well, he's having a good year this year. He did. But over a career span, no, I, I mean, you're, you're not going to say Mark Ingram's, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm, but I'm, what I'm saying is is how much weight do you put behind it? You look at Troy Smith, who won by the largest margin ever because you had to eliminate Reggie Bush from the category. Uh, he won by the largest margin ever, and Troy Smith was not an NFL player. I mean, he played a little bit, but certainly didn't have a career. Archie this. Griffin's the only guy that had back-to-back Heisman trophies. And he wasn't a great NFL player. Okay, but here's your Troy Smith. Who's here? He, here's who Troy Smith was going up against that. Like, that was 06. Yep. He was going up against Darren McFadden at Arkansas, okay. which, by the way, that wasn't the first time Darren McFadden lost the Heisman. Uh, Brady Quinn. Sure. And fourth was Steve Slayton. Don't know who that is. Steve Slayton? West Virginia? Rich Rod? Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, who else was in that? Colt Brennan? Colt Brennan's junior year? <laughs> Mike Hart out of Michigan. I, I think sometimes when players win, it's just because of the fact that they couldn't find anybody better. And, and that's pretty much Baker Mayfield. This year. Yeah, that, that's that's Baker, Baker Mayfield, Mayfield I think, had a great season, and he's the best playmaker in college football. Well, now, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's, what's the difference? Well, you can make plays, and you can be exciting. You could be Eddie George, or you could be... Derrick Henry is the best playmaker. No, the playmaker, I think... Good goes with some excitement but the, the thing is if if he goes on and wins a national championship then you look at the heisman and you'll give it a lot more reverence you'll be like yeah and then you remember what he did against alabama and Clemson, blah, blah, blah. people will be very excited if he goes out and wins a national championship but again they give this award away before we even start playing bowl games so what you think they should play the bowls and then give it out no i just think it's a stupid award i'm gonna keep doing it and people are gonna get all excited i've asked people to send who's their favorite no, nobody sent anything. Got one text on here. 55305 is a Bridgeport Beers text line. Who's your favorite Heisman Trophy winner? Here's your response. Navy's mascot is a ram like the Auburn Tigers is a war eagle. People were more excited about that part of the conversation. We're currently boring everybody. What we need to do is talk more about Terry Baker. Go. Ter- no. What? He won a Heisman. Oh, God. Who's a better Heisman Trophy winner, Terry Baker or, or uh, Marcus Mariota? I'm trying to get people excited about this you're conversation. Try, you're, you're doing the bait switch thing. I'm trying to. Yeah. It's not going to work. Do you think that Vernon Adams got crapped out of a Heisman? Because well, I kind of think he did. If he'd have stayed healthy. Uh, he really was. And that year, Oregon should have been up for the Let national title. Let me tell title. you about Michael James and his season. I mean, oh, if anybody should have gotten a Heisman Trophy. He got hosed. Uh, totally. And why can't they give it to the uh, Rogers brothers, huh? Oh, they should have. Yeah, James and Quiz totally should have won it. And Co- why did, why Co- Heisman Trophy. Why did Marcus Mariota win it two years in a row? Yeah. Why didn't he win it three years in a row? Let's be honest. And are you really telling me that Justin Herbert missing five games is going to keep him from winning it this year? He should be in New York. Yeah. He really should, though. Yeah. Did you see his passing percentage? Yeah. I mean, he was dynamite. It was really good. Game, did you see him against Wyoming? Did you see how good he was against Arizona State? No. I mean, wait. No. What? Uh, oh. oh, man. I hate Chip Kelly. <laughs> 
How can he go to UCLA? Should have come back. If they were smarter, they would have, they'd have fired. They'd have fired Willie Taggart before yeah. that, and they should have yeah. gotten Chip Kelly. What they should have done was hire Chip Kelly to teach Achilles Smith how to coach and then hire Bilotti as your AD. All I know is Willie Taggart is going to be a bust at Florida State. Watch, they won't win a game next year. No, not at all. They may never win another game again. That guy totally cursed In himself. fact, I heard he's up for the uh, Giants job. Did you uh, hear that? Yeah, he'll probably leave after a week at Florida State. Totally mm -hmm. makes sense. Probably. That's his MO. What a jerk. That's what he does. Hate that guy. Hey, uh, let's do more NFL stuff next after news. How much did your opinion of the Seattle Seahawks not only playoff chances, but uh, chances to win the NFC and represent them in the Super Bowl change after last week, if at all? Hmm. Not a lot. No? No. Jesus, there were some hits on Russell Wilson that just looked brutal. Yeah. Like there was that one right back up. There was that one where they slow mode him. Um, you remember that one where he like uh, he was throwing it away, but it almost looked like he was throwing behind himself. And they do the slow mo of that corner just coming in and putting his helmet right in Wilson's chest plate, and he just like you just see it in his face, like oh my god. He can't wait. What take... it, what what sound did it make? <laughs> he can't take more of these hits. Well, he can. That's what he does. But, like, the, it seems like this is the same thing every year. Like, he takes these kind of hits, and then by, like, the end of the season, he's, like, partially injured, and they can, uh, like, barely That was barely only last year. Uh, last year was the only year that I can remember him hobbling. I mean, he's generally been pretty healthy going into the playoffs. Now, the secondary is, you know, a little bit crippled, but I think they played really well, especially with all the filling guys, and they get Deshaun Shedd back this week, which I realize isn't Richard Sherman or Cham Cam Chancellor. But I think that's kind of an improvement. You weren't impressed with the win over the the Eagles at all. You are such a homer. I'm asking you the question. I'm just I I'm I'm asking if you were impressed with the win at all. They also held the highest scoring offense to ten points. I wasn't week. impressed with the win. I was unimpressed with the Eagles. Okay, that's fair. That's kind of what my consensus was. Because, You're such a non-homer. Because there were so many times during that game they really just should have scored. Like Wentz fumbling on the goal line, that was just like. It felt fluky to me. There was just so many weird fluky things about that game that really worked in Seattle's favor. And then my favorite part of that whole week was that I think it was Shaquille Griffin or one of the other corners who goes, you know, we've been hearing a lot of talk lately that people say we're not as good without the Legion of Boom. And we took that seriously. Yeah. It's like, oh, really? You've heard that lately? Yeah, weird. Or maybe that's just like common knowledge that you lose like, you know, three pro bowlers. Yeah, you're not as good. Two pro bowlers. Easy. Earl Thomas is back. He was Easy. out. He was out when they got hurt. But he's black. Back. He's playing. He is black. He is black. And he's playing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. And you know what? This goes back to my whole thing that I keep talking about with you that you say that I'm just totally wrong on is that they keep getting a little bit worse every year. I'm not saying super worse. No, I know, just but, a little I, bit worse every no, no, year. I don't say I don't say you're wrong about that, but you go, the window's closing. It is. Well, sure, all windows are closing if you go by the the most minuscule. I mean, you were literally just holding your hand up with like how close can a I get my fingers bit. together? Just a little bit. But it's very noticeable. But though. A, you go from Super Bowl win, Super Bowl appearance, losing in the playoffs, barely getting into the playoffs. Maybe this year. You don't get to the playoffs? Okay. How much more does that ladder keep going down? Oh, does it just keep creeping down just a little bit? Just yeah. a little bit? Uh, 
Uh, so what they have facing them this week is you have Seattle going to an eight and four Jacksonville team. The first time they played in Jacksonville since 2005. You've got That's a team. Weird to think that. What's that? That's weird to think about. They yeah, but but non-conference games, you play them once every eight years, and yeah. uh, the home and road really depends on how the schedule's set up. So um, yeah, that's crazy though that they couldn't, they haven't passed in that long a time. Oh, there was also a quote that Russell Wilson had that he said, uh, "I get ready for games by visualizing playing mm-hmm. somewhere that I haven't played before." Yeah. Like, cut the crap out, dude. He's like, I'll get pictures. I pull them up and I take a look at the picture, and then I put myself in there, and I'm like. Where are the things? Where's the shot clock? He said shot clock, too. It's not me misquoting. Where's the shot clock? Where's the fans? Where did my cheerleaders set up? Very important for me. Where's my hot where's, wife? Where's Sierra and the kids going to be? Yeah. Which direction are the goalposts? Well, so they have this hard stretch, right? So right now, Jacksonville. Then you have uh, the Los Angeles Rams coming to town. Lot, Rams have a very big game this week. They do. Then you get the Cowboys with uh, Zeke back. Awesome. Oh yeah. Well, I guess yeah. He'll, he'll be, be back. back. And then uh, and then you have the Arizona Cardinals. That's how you finish out the season. What do you need to see to start to believe, or are you just going to be uh, on the pessimistic side of things? Well, I'm not going to be too pessimistic because I actually this is a put up. This is this is why I love the NFL season because there is a defined put up or shut up moment in every season, and this is it for the Seahawks. And I think they will put up. And honestly, I do think they will make the playoffs because they have a chance to win their division. I mean, they control their own destiny because they could. But I think the Rams will probably win the division. The Rams really should have won the last game that they played. If Cooper Cup didn't drop that touchdown pass, uh, I mean. Yeah, but he did. And he did, but it was very okay. minuscule. Okay, very but he, minuscule. But he victory. did. A win over the Rams, if they finish with a tied record, would give Seattle the home field advantage, or the, I'm sorry, the, the tiebreaker advantage. So they still have a chance to win it, even regardless of what you think. But go ahead with what they need to do to prove to you. Well, they need to develop some type of running game. Mike Davis. Mike Boom. Davis looks pretty good. Boom. You know, the one part of the offense that I've been impressed with, though, is McKissick. Like, yeah. I feel like they got to work that dude in more next year. Like, they should put him in a slot position where you have him motioning in and shotgun. They, have, they put him in wide receiver and he yeah. cut, a, cut a deep ball last I think they week. need to focus more on McKissick if they can, at least just this season, because the one thing that they lack more than anything else is variety. And I know that's just a duh statement, but it's really friggin' apparent to the fact that every single time Russell Wilson gets the ball in shotgun, he isn't looking downfield like a lot of people say. They go, oh, he always has his eyes downfield. He does after no, he leaves the pocket. Yeah, his <laughs> eyes immediately go to, who's where, the first dude I got to Where dodge? do I go? Yes. And so I, I think if you keep doing this into the playoffs, it, it eventually the system will break. There's only one guy where he really, really thrives around this, and I think that it's meant to be that way, is Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers doesn't do it like Russell Wilson does. Russell Wilson gets the ball, and within a half second, he's out of the pocket. He's not even trying to see any formation of it. Aaron Rodgers will sit in the pocket all day if he wants to. But once he leaves, there's always, there always looks like there's a planned strategy about it. Russell Wilson just looks like he's running from the eventual ACL tear. Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson both play the game at a different speed than the rest of the league. You have Aaron Rodgers, who everything slows down for him. He plays in this kind of slow, methodical, with all the chaos around him. He looks like he's always under control and playing slower. Russell Wilson just plays faster. Everything he does, he's running around, spinning around. Looks like Fran Tarkenton dodging traffic like Frogger, just running across and then and then hucking the ball up. But, you sound like John Madden. Yeah, he's like Tarkenton. Boom. He's like Tarkenton. He's a little Frogger. Yeah. 
He's going beep, beep, beep across the street. Yeah. Uh, you happy with Jimmy Graham? Uh, I'm surprised. Uh, nine by touchdowns Jimmy in eight weeks. Yeah, I'm surprised, man. Yeah. He's he's made it. Uh, he who would have known that he uh, would be good in the end zone. <laughs> I don't know. That's everybody in the league except for Seattle for three years. That's weird. It's bizarre, who but it's finally working. Who would have thought to keep him out a good portion of the plays when you're not in the red zone? Yeah. But then when you're in the red zone. Rest him, get him in there, let yeah, him use his body. I mean, I get it. He's really good at blocking, and you should have him in all your base sets. But it's a good point. It's a good point. You want to, you want to run off of, off yeah. of his power side. Oh, dude. Watching some of those replays and Jimmy Graham blocking. <laughs> It's it's not even like we can it's laugh. Not it's not even laughable. It's like uh, really that dude's an NFL tight end. Well, that's why he was trying to petition to be a wide receiver when they franchised him in New Orleans, right? You really should. Like, they, I'm not a tight end. I don't block anybody. What does that have to be? block somebody. I mean, they you, do. You could still put him at slot because even if you ran like off tackle plays, he would beat a corner in terms of blocking. Sure. Like well, you're asking him to block DNs and outside linebackers. Like he can't do that. Yeah, just call him a wide receiver. He could block a safety. You'd have to pay him more, though, so I understand why they didn't do it. Yeah, but yeah. He deserved the money. Well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So are you more excited for the final stretch of the NFL season? Because this, to me, is, again, not it's not just the Seahawks. You look at the Rams and the Eagles as they come down. The Rams are playing the Eagles this week. They have a chance to really compete for the best record in the NFC if they win. And, and obviously the Eagles want home field advantage. More excited for the final stretch of the NFL season, which is my favorite time of year, or bowl season. I'm kind of more excited for bowl season. Are you really? I think there's some great bowl games out there. Outside of the college football playoff, what is there, one game that you're excited about? I'm pumped for the Peach Bowl because I want to see what UCF's going to do against Auburn. I think that's yeah. a really good matchup because Auburn is so streaky. They can, you know, one minute and beat do the crap out of Alabama, but then go play Georgia and get their ass kicked after Kicking their ass earlier in the season. And UCF. Well, they were also missing their top three running backs, too, which is it's going to be great for UCF because it's the farewell to Scott Frost. I think that's going to be the one bowl game that I really want to watch because there's so many storylines surrounding it. That's what I like. I don't know. Why don't you like bowl games besides the playoff? Well, they keep adding more bowl games. There's there, again, there's only there's only like a handful of them that really matter. And I just I don't know. I mean, I guess there's a handful of NFL games that just are going to end up being trash because I mean, you've got the Giants playing the Browns or whoever, and you know both teams are out of it. So I guess there's some bad NFL games too. But for me, it's just the the idea that you you don't know if people are going to show up and be interested in the game. In you the don't next think couple, people are going to show up to the Celebration Bowl? Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I fully expect in the next week or so we're going to start to see the, the list of NFL players or NFL-ready players that are going to sit out their bowl games. You're going to have teams that just show up and lay an egg. They're not going to be interested. What, you don't think – what, you're trying to tell me Troy's not going to get up for the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl? No, Troy's always up for the game. Who are they playing against? Uh, they are playing against North Texas. North Texas. The – well, probably, Eagles probably, or something. probably cares about that too. You get the one where you have nobody playing against somebody. Those are the, those those are the ones. And you know Washington State will lose their bowl game, which is always fun. <laughs> and that, you know that Middle Tennessee is just not going to play well in the Raycom Media Camellia Bowl. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows that. All right, you've convinced me. The Sherabundi Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. That's seriously a friggin' bowl. Did you just? Hear I know that? you're not making them up. Go the Sherabundi Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. <laughs> Where are the commas in that? There's none. It's a statement. One more time. 
Shara Bundy Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. Akron and Florida Atlantic. I don't know what word you're saying. Shara Bundy. Shara Bundy Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. That's a friggin' bowl game. What the hell is your bowl gift? Take a look on uh, StubHub and see what we can get tickets to the Shara Bundy Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. And maybe we'll go. See what ticket prices are to get Do in. Do like a live broadcast? Yeah. So let's see how much it costs to get in there, and uh, and maybe we'll do a live broadcast from that one. That sounds like an absolute hoot. Uh, you look up that, uh, and we'll get to Crystal Balls next. Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan. Hey, welcome back. So this is the part of the show where we predict all the college football action. Uh, all of it. And there's one game today. So we can predict Army and Navy. Who you got? Give me Army. Are they playing it on land? Um, I think this year. Yeah, you're gonna but want. They did you know what they did? If you're right? fighting on land, uh, you want. Could you imagine you that? <laughs> playing in water. Just like everybody's in a scuba suit. Well, you get Tim Tebow back, he'd walk on top of the water. Ah, Christ oh. joke. No? Didn't do anything for you? <laughs> what would you, how would you, the ball would just sit on top of the water. You couldn't be in scuba suits. Well, you'd weigh the ball down. Well, it just goes up to the top. No, you'd get like, you'd make it out of some kind of metal that wasn't as buoyant. Some that kind would be the ultimate challenge. The ultimate challenge. That would be the ultimate challenge for people underwater to play football. Yeah. Could you, could you imagine that? People in scuba suits, fans in scuba suits. You got the concession right, people this, in scuba this suits. This is just so too stupid for me even to join in. Uh, I you do, got the photographers in scuba up. suits. God, you're the worst. You got Lee Corso down there. Shut up. But he's not wearing the bottom <laughs> half of his scuba suit. <laughs> he's wearing like a duck head. He's <laughs> wearing one of the really Dang. old scuba suits, the ones that are like the round with the... Uh, and then just a thong and flippers. Yeah. Oh, you got me. Dang it. All right, so anyways, there's no college football games today, so we're going to focus on the NFL uh, moving into things. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, the AFC West has kind of imploded. The Chiefs started out the hottest team in football, first last team to to have their first loss, um, and now they are 6-6, six and six, tied uh, with the Raiders. They play at 10 a.m. tomorrow on CBS, uh, Kansas City favored by 4.5 points. Who you got? Uh, I... T- I take yeah. the Chiefs in this one just because <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's no point to even take the Chiefs. That's the hardest part about the AFC West. It's just that every single team kind of looks like crap. I know you point back to the Chargers. Chargers. <laughs> For some reason, you love the Chargers. No, no, no. What I said is the Chargers are the most crapped on team in the NFL where the city that has them, the new They're city terrible. that has them doesn't want them. Their old city will never take them back. They just left and like everybody's like, meh. Yeah, I mean, I take the Chiefs in this one, but this is obviously one of the most disappointing parts of the NFL this season, I think, was the AFC West. You really looked at all these teams and you thought that you had three legitimate teams that yep. could be even competing for the Super Bowl, and now you have <laughs> you have a team that will probably win the division with a losing record or at 500 and get in the playoffs. Well, they play each other a bunch down the stretches, and the NFL is brilliant setting it up where the final game is against a division opponent. But, yeah, Denver has fallen off the map completely, have, has no quarterback, 
and wait till they have Eli next year. They'll be right back at the top. But, uh, but yeah, it's very interesting. I'm going to take the Raiders in this one. I think the Chiefs, uh, something's broken, and I don't know what it is, but they can't get it figured out. But I will take the Chargers. To Maybe win everybody division. just tuned out Andy Reid. Yeah, also at 10 o'clock uh, on CBS. I'm not sure which game we'll get out here. Hopefully they don't. They'll probably give us a freaking Raiders game. Ugh. Vikings at Panthers. Ooh. Uh, Minnesota favored by two and a half. Yeah, I'll definitely take Minnesota in this one. But, you know, the Panthers really have to make a push. They're kind mm-hmm. of in that spot where uh, they they now technically are in the wild card spot, right? Yes. Yeah, where they could really lose it. The, the NFC is going to be the most exciting thing to watch in these next three weeks because you have Aaron Rodgers coming back pretty yep. soon. Yep. And the Packers are staying afloat, man. They Packers have the Browns this weekend. Yes. So this All is the last Hundley game. Is, all you got to do is win that game and that let Rodgers take control and see what happens when it comes to the wild card. So, I, I mean, I'm going to take the Vikings in this one, but I'm super stoked to watch the rest of the NFC. Yeah, I think, and that the the funny thing is the the South, the NFC South, has become the best division of football. You have the Saints, and you've got the Falcons and the Panthers all right there. So it's going to be exciting to see what happens down the stretch there. I mentioned it already: Eagles uh, at Rams. This is 125 on Fox. Rams favored only by a point at home. Hmm. You know, you expect the Eagles to kind of bounce back after last week in Seattle. Sure. Uh, But with the Rams, you know that they're going to really try to make this push. Uh, Their win against Arizona to me was probably the best win that they had all year. And I know that's kind of weird to say just because it's Arizona and they look like they're failing. But this was the first game that they really looked like they were in complete control the entire time. I mean, there was never a time in that game where I thought that the Rams would lose. But there have been other times in the season. So I'll take the Rams. It's interesting. I... I, uh... The only time I watched the Eagles all year was last week, and obviously not very impressive against the Seahawks. Uh, I've watched the Rams a little bit just because they're the surprise story of the NFL. So my inclination is to go Rams on this as well. Um, the funny thing is the Rams win winning doesn't really set them up any better for next week because the head-to-head against the Seattle is the big game that matters. Yeah. So I wonder if they'll overlook it because even if they go in off of a loss at 8-4, and four, or I guess it would be 9-4, and four, and if Seattle's at nine and four, then essentially it's a tiebreaker. But if they go in at, you know, ten and three, it's the same thing. But so. I think McVay's got those dudes focused. Like that, yeah. that to me, it's not just the Rams that are the most surprising story in football. It's Sean McVay. Sure. The guy's 31 years mm-hmm. old and he's able to tr- basically coach these adult men to to bring them in on his message and say, look, I know I'm younger than most of you and don't even have as much experience as most of you. But if you follow what I'm trying to preach here and on the defensive side of the ball, you just listen to Wade Phillips. This is going to work. And it's obviously worked so far. Yeah. So I'll, I'm going to take the Eagles in this one, though. I just think they're a better team than what I saw last yeah. week. and I They're think, the most complete team, I think, in the NFL. Yeah, and and I, I would watch that game. But, again, you have the Seahawks playing, and that game will be on our local television unless you've got the, you know, uh, whatever, the direct TV package. You'll be watching the Seahawks at Jaguars, uh, both teams 8-4. and four, uh, One Jags. of them rich guys with the red zone. Well, the red zone's one thing, but then having the – like if you need to watch the Rams, I can't watch red zone because I feel like I'm not even watching football. I can't watch red zone because I don't have it in my package. Oh, so well. I've watched it before. I don't really care to have it either. I agree with you. It, it, it's just, it's it, a bounce around. It's a highlight show. It's very it's bizarre. It's too to much. Like yeah, I, 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 like I almost watch Sunday football. Like I kind of would, or most people would a baseball game. Like I kind of go in and out. I'm not the kind of dude who'll sit there and like really pay a great deal of attention for like 30 minutes at a time. 
I'll just turn it on and do some stuff around the house and pop in every once in a while. I pick one game and I'm watching it. All right. And and oh, every week I try, I try to watch the Seahawks game as usually, but if they're not playing, I'll sit down and I'm either going to watch the whole game or I'm not going to watch. I do the same thing with college football. I just pick one game. I I don't. I always lose the rhythm flip, football, flipping yeah. back. But yeah, just pick a game. Going, I like this game. Yeah. And then if it gets out of hand, then I'll switch it off. But I kind of try to look through the schedule and go, all right, what game do I think is going to be the most competitive? Has the most on the line? Watch that whole game. It's just kind of the way I do it. The Beavers uh, this year, I literally just watched for like i think five minutes that's not game time that's real time <laughs> i watched five minutes uh before i knew we were gonna lose and then yeah. i'd pop back in at the end of the third quarter <laughs> but i go oh yeah we're still losing probably the responsible way to do it uh seahawks at jags uh two and a half points for the jags who you got uh let's go with i gotta go with the seahawks because you know Bortles is going to Bortle this thing. <laughs> the defense is incredible. Leonard Fournette is probably the biggest surprise in terms of rookies this year. You kind of thought maybe he'd come in, get injured, and then just play like crap. But he's consistently been pretty good, barring a couple injuries. You talked about the window closing on the Seahawks and everything. This is a very different team than we saw at the beginning of the season. Even losing players on the back end, if your weakness is now your secondary on that defense, uh, I don't think Bortles has enough to take advantage of it. And I cannot wait. I, I'm rooting. I'm rooting for the Seahawks uh, as always. But I just, I, they need to win this game because I need to see the Rams Seahawks for the division next week. I cannot wait for that game. I need it. I need it. I must have it. That's it, kids. That's our show. I appreciate everybody joining in. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll be back next Saturday with more Center and Saint. うーん、まあ、あの時とはもう状況も違いますし、うーん、もちろん同じ球団ではありますけど、その、ね、全部が全部、うーん、あの時と同じかと言われたらそうではないので、それは全く確信にはなってくるんじゃないかなと。オッケ